Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Welcome to another episode of the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. To quote the great John Rothstein, this is March. And March always means a lot here in Connecticut with our college basketball teams. We've got a packed episode for you today with two guests. First off, you'll hear from Central Connecticut head coach Pat Sellers. His team is fresh off a win over Farley Dickinson in the first round of the NEC tournament. He talks the big win in the matchup they have against top seed Bryant on Wednesday night. Next up, I've got Gene Schinzel of the Omaha World Herald to give us a preview of UConn Creighton and to talk about some of the changes Creighton has had to make with the loss of their point guard, Ryan Nemhard. Let's kick it off now with Pat Sellers of CCSU. All right, joining me hot off the, the win of his of his Blue Devils over Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round of the NEC tournament, it's Coach Pat Sellers. Coach, welcome to the podcast again. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Coach, I've got to say, last night's game, I think, really brought full circle what, what this season has been like for your team. And one thing that's really impressed me about them is it seems to be a team that's just always really scrappy and never gives up. What impressed you most about your team in that win last night at Fairleigh Dickinson? Yeah, you know, coming into that game, we had a rough two weeks, man. We we lost, uh, you know, we played the two top teams in the league, and we had Mount coming, uh, St. Francis, PA, and Mount come in, uh, and so it was just a rough two weeks for us. And we had like uh, two days of, I would say, uh, a mental exercise to get our guys back onto uh, back into the feel of it, back to feeling good about themselves. Cause they were really down. And, uh, I thought the two days in practice, it wasn't like it was a, a hard physical practice. It was more mental than anything, but it helped us. And these guys got, got a little mojo back and then we started playing. And then all of a sudden things started going our way and our defense picked up and we made some shots and we, uh, scratched out a win. You're down at the half, down 15 early in the second half. What are you telling your team in the huddle at, at that point in the game, knowing that, you know, if, if things don't turn around quickly, you've only got, you know, 15 minutes or so left in the season? Yeah, we, we just said, fellas, we've been here before. It's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the Wagner game here, we're down 24, um, LIU game down 19, and FPU last time down 15 here at home, so... We uh, we just said, fellas, we, you know, we've been in this position before. We can we got to lock in. We got to focus. We got to get one possession at a time. And I, I've been the, the last, you know, maybe last month, every now and then in the huddle, I said, take a deep breath and relax. Actually, Nigel said it last night. Everybody take a deep breath, relax. <laughs> Let's calm down and, and figure this thing out. So you mentioned Nigel there. He knocks down the big free throws to, to give you the, the lead in that game. What are your thoughts on him and his ability to just block out the noise, it seems like, there, and be able to come up clutch with those two free throws down the stretch there? Because we've seen some players freeze in that moment, but big-time big time free throws there. Nigel, Nigel Scanterbury has, you know, I've been coaching 22 years. He has, talking about unbelievable self-belief, he believes in himself. And, you know, he thinks he, he could be going against a 6'10", 250 pound guy he's taking himself as i'm gonna box him out i'm gonna win this battle so he just has a great self-belief so i had no doubt that he's gonna knock those two free throws in you've got some freshmen on your team who have, who have just made some big contributions especially in the game last night and they've made those contributions all season how impressed are you with the young guys that you've been able to bring into this program and then how big is this experience especially for for guys who are 
underclassmen in getting these experience of, of playing in these tournament games. Yeah, like, you know, I, I've said, uh, my brother and I were talking the other day and just saying the biggest jump as a college basketball player is usually going from a freshman to sophomore year. They get so much more confident. They understand what all the terminology is, how, to, how hard you have to really work. So these tournament games and, like, you know, these just high-level games where it's highly contested is very good for our freshmen. Um, Andre Snoddy's been, you know, all year. He's been aggressive. He, he's been – he's getting so much better at understanding where guys are supposed to be, and he's making plays. He, he You know, early on he was turning the ball over a lot. He's, he's kind of limited his turnovers more, and he's just making reads, you know, in the middle of the court and finding guys. And then Trent McLaughlin comes off the bench last night and had a big-time game for us, four threes, playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, George Strowski all year. He's been, you know, right there for us. And Jaden Brown, you know, I was on him most of the game, but he probably got the biggest rebound in the game late in the game. He came up with a, a big-time two-hand man rebound, so that helped us big time. So I'm hoping to give him a little shot in the arm, too. You you played everyone tough in this conference throughout the, the season, and you've shown you can compete with the likes of Brian and, and Wagner at LIU. How are you? How are, how's the team feeling heading into this game against Bryant? And, and what are a couple keys that, that you're viewing it as what it might take to, to take them down? Yeah, we, we went. So the last time we, we played them recently, so we went over the game, the post game. This was a week ago after we played them. And, you know, we talked about the, the margin for error, like our margin for error. We can't make, you know, uh, mistakes on offense and the defensive end. We got to get back in transition. And so if you watch the first half of the game um, at Bryant, like last week, with 315 in the game, it's a tie game. We're playing really well on offense. We got the pace of it. We want it. And then they just turned it up the last last uh, four-minute media timeout and just really pushed the ball and attacked us. And we fouled them. We put them on the line 27 times. So we can't foul those guys. We got to keep them off the line. We got to get back in transition. And then on the offensive end, we have to get the game at our pace where we're making, we're, we're, make, we're taking shots with a, you know, a good, after we're running some clock and running, running crisp offense. So they got, we're going to talk about that. We're getting ready to meet uh, for practice at three o'clock. We're going to talk about that and we're going to watch film on it. And then we're going to go and practice and, uh, and work on it a little bit. And then obviously I think Brian's the most, one of the most talented teams in the league. So it's going to be, it's going to take a Herculean effort from all of our guys, physically and mentally, to beat a team as good as this How team. How do you try to slow down a guy like Peter Kiss, who's shown that he's probably one of the best players in the conference this year? He's a guy who's, you know, got, you know, played played at Quinnipiac, played at Rutgers. He's played at, you know, some of the highest levels in college basketball. How do you work at slowing him down a little bit? You know, like I say all the time, even – you know, back to the the first time we played him, we were watching film and, and the team, and I said, fellas, Peter Kiss has got great size. He can shoot the ball. He's a, I think out of all of those things, he's a very smart player. He knows how to play without the ball. He's always moving. He's constant energy. Um, he's a really, I think it's one of the strengths is this, how, how his basketball IQ, how smart he is. So, you, you have to, like, with a guy like that, you have to put him in a crowd. You have to have him. He has to see a lot of bodies in front of him. And then, you know, you can't fall asleep as he's moving. He's really good at changing speeds. He can stop for a second, and you just you relax for one second. Boom, and he's by you. He's back cutting. He's got the rim. 
And then on top of that, he's a very good offensive rebounder. So you have to box – that whole team is a real good offensive rebounder team. Have to box those guys out. So uh, it's a tough task. You're going to try, you know, a lot of different guys, give them a lot of different looks, a lot of different guys on them, and and the other and try to keep them off the free throw line. Try to keep all of those guys off the free throw line. Play defense without fouling, and that'll help us. Coach, uh, I'll wrap with, with this one here for you. You're an alum of CCSU. You guys uh, get the first postseason win since 2011. It's the first ever NEC postseason road win for, for the team. What does it mean to you in this moment to be able to you know work towards bringing the central team back to being a, a team that can compete at the top levels of the NEC here? Yeah, I mean it's it's a big deal. You know, <clears throat> I was here as an assistant, or he, you know, nineteen straight games, and he went to the NCAA tournament twice and all of that. So, um, you know, one tournament game, you know, you're happy you get the win, but you know, we, I, we, we're built on championships and you know, uh, getting uh, regular season and tournament championships. So that's been our goal all year that's what we talked about as a team so we just want to keep going and keep working and keep getting better every day you know we got a bunch of young guys and and the older guys have been really good so we want to like develop the habit of fellas we're not satisfied with just one road win our goal is to win championships so we're going to keep pushing Uh, you know we're going to talk about it today i'm sure everyone is hey congrats you did a good job you got to win you got to win and those guys know that that's not the goal so we have a lot more work to do. Um, and if it comes this year, it'd be fantastic. If it doesn't, you know, that's the goal. We, we, we're working, pushing toward championships. Well, Coach, I really appreciate the time. Congrats again on the win yesterday, and best of luck in the rest of the tournament here. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we've got UConn Creighton, a rematch of, of a game we saw earlier in the year. And joining me today, we've got Gene Jinzel of the World Herald out in Omaha. Gene, thanks so much, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, no problem, Jared. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Gene, I know the biggest question around this Creighton program right now has, has been the loss of Ryan Nemhard. How has this team tried to adapt in the game in, uh, you know, maybe a quarter of the other game against St. John's that they haven't had him for in trying to piece together this team and still be able to be competitive? Yeah, with, um, I think it was kind of a shock for everyone on the program that when Ryan got hurt, um, it happened kind of midway through the second half of the St. John's game. And it's pretty big for them that they were able to kind of piece together a, a, a strong finish at St. John and able to win uh, there before losing at Providence, but um, they're just kind of going going with kind of a next man up mentality. Um, Trey Alexander, who who had been starting at the uh, two guard, has moved over to the uh, to the point, and um, they're, they're, the problem is kind of with them is they don't they didn't have a lot of depth to begin with, and. Without Nim Nimhart, um, that depth is is it just gotten uh, even worse. So you you talk about moving over a guy like Trey Alexander. Take us through what what his game is like compared to Ryan Nemhard. Because just looking at the numbers and seeing it, you know Nemhard is definitely more of a, a true point guard. Just looking at the assist numbers there uh, as one stat. But take us through what. what 
fans might see with Trey running the point here versus uh, Ryan Nemhard. Yeah, because um, actually, it, um, Ryan Nemhart was at practice yesterday, and he uh, he he spoke about um, Alexander as a point guard, and he said he um, Trey just kind of needs to just keep being himself. Um, he's uh, I know, Trey knows that things are he has to handle the ball more and. He, it will be a. He has to read defenses a little more, but I think um, I think he he feels pretty comfortable with that, and um, you know he's he's gotten a lot more playing time here in the past six or eight games, and uh, I think that that's kind of helped with his confidence, and I think that will help kind of going forward with his play at the, at the one instead of the two. In terms of some other guys on the roster who, who are, you know, who Creighton fans are looking to step up. Can, can you give us a, a guy or two? I, I know one that comes to my mind is Ryan Hawkins in the job he's done. I, I know UConn fans saw what he was able to do in that first game against him, but take us through another couple guys that, that you've got your eye on now that, that Ryan's out who, who might shoulder a little bit more of the load here. Yeah. Um, Arthur Kaluma, who's another another freshman, he had been out for I believe four games with a with a knee injury, and he just came back last week, and he's looked he's looked good in practice, and I think he's pretty much a back to a hundred percent, and he's really an athletic, about a six seven guy, who uh, good around the rim, good at rebounding, and. Um, I think he'll he'll have to shoulder more of an offensive, um, more of the offensive load load now. But but really, I mean, the bench is so short that they're still going to count a lot on on Hawkins and Brian Coltbrenner and at center to to do. Uh, you know, kind of, that's kind of who the offense is going to run through. If you're looking for this game from from a, a Creighton perspective, what are you looking to see them do to to replicate the success that they had against UConn in that first game here in Connecticut? They just uh, kind of need to. I I know when they went to Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut only shot like thirty percent from the field, and I mean they need to kind of have that um, that defensive effort again. And I'm sure they're not expecting UConn to shoot 30% again tomorrow or uh, tomorrow night. But uh, um, I think getting back in their home arena is going to help them. Because I think that road trip last week kind of was really tough on them emotionally and mentally because of the loss of Nimhart. And so I think they're really going to kind of use the use the home home fans uh, to kind of lift them, and because uh, they really they really need to win one of these last two games to really kind of secure their spot um, in the, with the uh, NCAA committee. Uh, I, I think the point you mentioned about being at home is is a perfect segue into my last question here that I'll get you out on. You know, last year I don't think UConn got the full experience in Omaha 
you know, due to the COVID, some of the COVID restrictions. But from what I've heard, Omaha and the game at Creighton is probably one of the toughest road atmospheres in the Big East for fans from UConn who, who are listening here who haven't been able to go out and experience that. Take us through what, what the crowds are like at these games in Omaha. Yeah, because they, they consistently uh, draw 16,000, 17,000. And, uh, you know, when their, their previous home game was against Marquette last Sunday, and that was a, I believe, a two, one or two point win for, for Creighton. And Coach McDermott really made a point about how much the crowd really kind of carried uh, the team along during that game because it was really a back and forth game. And, and I mean, the crowd really gets, gets into the, into the game. And, uh, um, you know, this, this is kind of like, I mean, this is Creighton's main sport. I mean, they don't have football, anything like that. So, I mean, this is kind of the sport that, uh, Creighton fans really, really get behind and, uh, they come out and support them great. Well, Gene, I really appreciate you hopping on, giving us a bit of a preview of Creighton, and certainly looking forward to this one. So thank, thanks for the time today. All right. Hey, thanks, Jared. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.